I wanted to make sure that I offer you an opportunity to kind of talk about, you know, your career. And my, my question to set that off is, do you have any regrets? What's up, everybody? Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Simsation Nation. I'm super excited about today's guest and today's topic. I know I say that every episode, but I really, really mean it this episode. Uh, and you're going to see here in a minute that somehow our brains are still interlocked and connected. And you'll see based on the attire that the both of us chose today, as you can see, I am representing my Georgia Bulldogs, my back-to-back -back champions. And here in just a little bit, you're going to see what my guest is actually representing. This gentleman that I'm bringing on today is going to talk about a topic that I actually hold near and dear to my heart, and it is simply called leaving your mark. Usually when I go into an organization, I try to leave with making sure that I left the place better than I found it and leaving with something that I did not have before I got there. And those are usually my top two goals. And I said, who can I have to come on this show to just talk about leaving your mark other than Brigadier General Chad Radigy? I'm going to read a little bit about what he does, and I'll ask him to kind of break that down in layman's terms. But just for my viewers and guests, I want you to be able to see and understand just how great of a position he holds today. Brigadier General Chad Radigy is the Director of the Command and Control, Communications, and Computers Cyber Directorate and Chief Information Officer, Headquarters, U.S. European Command, Patch Barracks, Stuttgart, Germany. In his capacity, he leads a joint staff responsible for operating five unique networks to enable global operations. In addition, he ensures communications readiness across the European theater with NATO, the world's premier military alliance, and 51 countries through policy and security cooperation efforts. Brigadier General Radigi entered the Air Force in 1994 as a distinguished graduate of the Ohio State University ROTC program. An Operation Joint Guard veteran, he has commanded eight times at the detachment, squadron, group, and agency levels to include deployed commands supporting Operations Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. In addition, he has served as a staff officer at the Major Command, Air Staff, Joint Staff, and Office of the Secretary of Defense levels. Now, it is going to be very tough to try to jam-pack an almost 29-year career into a 35 to 45-minute podcast, but we are definitely going to try. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Brigadier General Chad Radigy. Shooter, it is, uh, it is an absolute pleasure to join you, and, uh, and thank you for the introduction. Uh, long introduction, 29 years, uh, makes you feel really old when you start <laughs> hearing those dates uh, and all of that different experience that I've had. Uh, but here I am at kind of the sunset of a uh, a really fun career, and uh, it's been because of the people that have just made this such a, a wonderful opportunity to serve uh, in uniform, and uh, it's people like you. And so, Shooter, I am uh, I'm extremely proud to uh, to join your your podcast, 
and be part of the Simsation Nation. <laughs> and uh, as you alluded to, uh, it was our two minds working a little bit together. So it would have been a very different conversation, I'm sure. But your Georgia Bulldogs uh, pulled out the fourth quarter win against my Buckeyes. <laughs> but nevertheless, I am still a proud Buckeye through and through. And uh, and that's what makes uh, sports fun. So, my friend, it's great to see you. And I look forward to spending some time with you today. Awesome. Awesome. And so those that are watching, uh, as you can see, we did not plan this. We're both wearing polos that represent our teams, but completely unplanned. But I just love the way that it turned out from the very beginning. So, sir, I read, uh, you know, the, the verbiage from what you do. But for those that may or may not necessarily be as familiar with the military, I know we have viewers from all walks of life. Could you just break it down in layman's terms? Like what, what is your current role? Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a good question. And I appreciate it, Shooter. The, uh, my, my essential job is uh, thinking about communications, uh, information security, information sharing across, uh, across the European theater. So I'm part of a joint command. I work for an Army four-star boss uh, in Chris Cavoli. General Cavoli wears two unique hats. And so this is where the eyes of the world have been on the European theater for about the last 16 months because of the Ukraine crisis. And so it's important to understand the, the roles that I support. So in General Cavoli's role as the U.S. commander for United States European Command, I'm his senior communicator. With that, I coordinate with the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the special operators across the European theater to make sure that we're putting all the right networks, uh, connectivity, SATCOM, radios, all of those types of things in place. We also have a pretty significant role uh, in cyber defense uh, for the European theater. And so in that capacity, I do a lot of work and support directly for, for General Kabuli. Now, General Cavoli is also what we call the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe, SACUR. It's a, it's a position that dates all the way back to World War II with, uh, with Eisenhower. Uh, and so it's this really unique position uh, in the way that he leads coalition forces across the, uh, the NATO uh, environment. And so, uh, as, as many of you know, Finland just joined the alliance. And so we're now 31 nations strong. We say stronger together. And so General Cavoli has a role in organizing those 31 nations to get after the business of, uh, of defending Europe and the North Atlantic area. And so in that capacity, I simply coordinate with 31 other nations uh, to, uh, to work all of those other things, interoperability between networks, the communication systems, cyber defense across the alliance as well. And so it's a uh, it's a really exciting uh, position, uh, right headquartered right in Stuttgart, Germany, uh, the center of Europe, and uh, I travel quite a bit to coordinate with some of those uh, some of those different partners, uh, both on the U.S. side uh, and the NATO side. And so it's it's just a, a joy on a daily basis. What a high level of responsibility and the ability to travel, which we'll talk about here in just a bit. But that level of responsibility, the interactions that you have, the, the travel schedule that you have, it offers a great opportunity to leave your mark, not just where you are, but other places that you visit as well. This is exactly why I wanted to bring you on, because I want to talk about leaving your mark. Uh, you and I met uh, 
when I was deployed, uh, I got an opportunity to work for you as your executive officer. And uh, since then, I have done nothing but talk and say great things about you because I've watched you uh, leave your mark on people as we traveled around, you know, the United States together and sometimes overseas. Uh, I know you left a lasting impression and mark on me. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, from your perspective, what does it mean to actually leave your mark on an organization? It's a really good question, Shooter. And, uh, you know, I'm finding here uh, at the end of a 29-year career that I've reflected a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've been talking and, uh, and spending some time together, um, enjoying watching each, each other's journeys and the way that uh, life is unfolding. And so it's a little bit of reflection that I, I look back over the course of 29 years and, and kind of think about what, what is leaving your mark. And I thought uh, you summarized it well in the way that you think about, you know, what what do you what do you bring and, and get different from an organization and what do you take away? I think those are think those are great attributes. I tend to think of it in three different realms. So the first one is uh, is essentially uh, making the mission happen. Mm. I think anytime you're you're wanting to talk about leaving your mark on an organization as a leader. You're called to come in and uh, and execute the mission at a very high level, and so that is that's a that's a unique application and a unique view of what you do on a daily basis by way of of mission accomplishment. As I've reflected a little bit, I think there's probably three different types of organizations that you're a part of, where you know you're you're delivering upon the the uh, the mission on a daily basis. The first one are those really high-performing uh, mission sets. Those that have, that, you know, over time have just set the bar so high, um, and and that would be, you know, part of my job as the White House Communications Agency. Uh, you know, we support the Vice President and the President of the United States on a daily basis. We made sure that that Oval Office translated from Washington D.C. to any foreign country. And there was this seamless connectivity of communications. The president was never out of contact uh, when he was on Marine One, when he was on Air Force One, when he was in a motorcade, when he was in a foreign hotel. It didn't matter. We had the processes down to a T. And there was a responsibility because of the people that we hired uh, to execute those checklists seamlessly. And we did that. And, uh, and I was very proud that uh, every mission uh, met, met its mark. Now, sometimes, and I, I think as I reflect the current organization that I'm in, again, it's one of those where you just make the mission happen. Mm -hmm. I arrived two years ago, and, uh, and just as I put feet here in Germany, uh, President of the United States announced that we were going to evacuate out of Afghanistan. And so we had this massive coordination effort to get all of our combat troops out of Afghanistan and to uh, and to uh, bring others out of the out, out of the country in harm's way as well, that meant a whole bunch of work for the European theater. And so we were working around the clock to make sure that we had communications in place, that we had bed down locations, that we had SATCOM connectivity to Ramstein Air Base, for example, where they were setting up these massive tent cities. We didn't have time to go in and tweak processes or experiment. It was about make the mission happen as quickly as possible. In the last sixteen, in the last sixteen months with Ukraine, I think we've been in very much the same thing. We, quite honestly, uh, were 
uh, were optimistic, but we didn't know what was going to happen uh, as Russian forces amassed on the Ukraine border. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the strength, the diversity, the resilience, the 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 sheer um, the sheer tradition and uh, and focus of the Ukraine people has been something amazing to watch. But we didn't know how long they were going to be able to keep their country alive. And doggone, they're doing a remarkable job. And uh, and that's been fun to watch. But part of that has been for the last 16 months, we have done nothing but try and focus on uh, making the mission happen. Mm. Sometimes that's satellites. Sometimes that's network connectivity. Sometimes that's information sharing. Sometimes that's intelligence products. Whatever it is. We don't have time to just experiment and uh, and figure things out. It's all about making the mission happen, enable the Ukraine people uh, to survive, and and we've we've done that. So that's that's really I think when we start talking about leaving your mark, that's that's example one, which is you got to make the mission happen. Nice. So so part two of that is uh, is about the people mm-hmm. and shooter. This is where you come in. And uh, and you talked about it. You know, you and I sat next to a dinner party in a deployed location. We had a conversation. I knew that you were the right person uh, to come back to Langley Air Force Base in Southern Virginia. And uh, and you and I had an opportunity to serve one another. So uh, so part two is building the legacy of future leaders of Mm -hmm. the organization. That's leaving your mark. So I will tell you that in every organization I've ever worked for or worked with or led or been a part of, I care for everyone. Everybody that's a teammate of mine, I care for them. However, I also recognize that it's my job to grow the next generation. And so this is where talent management comes in. You identify those that are making the mission happen, those that have the right attributes, those that have the right leadership skills, those that have the right humility to lead others in the future. And you identify those folks, and then you find out ways to get them promoted, to get them the school, to get them the command. Does any of this sound familiar? Because Ext- this is you, my friend. Extremely familiar, sir. And then, yeah, so absolutely. Having so, been a recipient so, of it is great, but I, watching you do it for others is even even more great. Well, you know, there's there's many, many great folks and yes, uh, and you're certainly uh, in great company as uh, as you continue uh, service to our to our nation uh, and in, in the uniform. But, um, you know, part of our responsibility of leaving a mark is is finding out the ways to uh, to make, um, you know, make the future generations uh, come up and, and be ready to take it on. And so, Shooter, I will tell you the third one that I've always put a lot of focus on, because I think this is part of leaving your mark as well. And that's the organizational culture. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you want to be part of an organization that is um, that is responsive to the mission, focused on the mission? Is it a place that people want to work? You know, p- part of part of my my quest has always been I want to I want to bring talent in by making our job and our, our, our organization such a great place to work that you want to be part of it. And so. Some of that is honoring the past. It's telling the stories of those that have gone before us. You know, we we often have this term that you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, I've been in organizations that are 75 years old and 80 years old. And we do this remarkable job of remembering those leaders that have gone before us, those mentors that set the organization uh, in the right path, 
that developed the leaders along the way that made the mission happen. And so you honor the past by thinking about them and making them part of the, of the current. I think part of the organizational culture is also one where you're recognized as, as an organization, you're a great teammate. You know, when, when, you can, when you can go and talk to a different directorate that has a similar mission, uh, but you're an enabling function for them, when you're responsive in the way that you take, um, you know, computer outages or trouble tickets and you're responsive to them and you care, people recognize that. People want to be part of that. And so I think that's I think that's part of it as well. And then, you know, final thing on on uh, on the organizational culture is is just traditions, you know, and and you and I have spent many a Friday nights. Uh, getting together and uh, and just having conversations outside of work, it's uh, you know it's perhaps having the the you know the the Friday night beer or the the scotch or bourbon out on the back bay of Langley Air Force Base. Absolutely. Or gathering around in a circle with a whole bunch of of peers that are all like minded and want to do great things for our nation, and just bonding and building relationships. Talking about families, talking about dreams and aspirations, talking in a in a low threatening way about the way of making our business better. When when you can when you can brainstorm and do all of that, I think that's part of the organizational culture that I think leaves the mark. So you know, anytime I leave an organization, I want that organization to just be kind of clicking on all cylinders that people want to come in because you know that you're going to work hard but you're going to be taken care of if you do so. So um, I, I'd say leaving your mark probably in a, in a really long discussion are that's those great. three things. No, that's, that's great. So we, we can do this for, for hours if you had the time, but I'm telling you, so I'm, I keep smiling because it's like deja vu, you know, having these discussions with you now uh, on this recording is kind of like how it used to be a few years ago um, when you and I spent a lot of days and hours together. So, Hearing, hearing you talk about leaving your mark, I, and you know, I pick up on the points about the mission, the people, the culture, the tradition, like those are the heavy hitting points. And that's, if you can leave your mark one on either of those, but on all of those, then you have by far left your mark on the organization and the people within it for years to come. It is not just that person or those people because the people that you leave your mark on, they're going to in turn take that and pass it on to other people. So it's going to be enduring for a very long time, uh, long after you decide to hang up the uniform, which we will talk about here in just a bit. But uh, I just hear you talk about leaving your mark and, and those points right there are solid and valid. And I hope that everyone is listening and learning from this. Now, I have heard you talk about leaving your mark with those particular talking points. Now, I want to ask you now. Uh, you obviously have left all those organizations and all those people better than you found them. Is there an opportunity for you right now to maybe think back about a time where you left with something, or whether it's tangible or intangible, that you didn't have before you got there that stands out for you? You walked into this base, this organization, this unit, and you were like, I am leaving with something that I did not have before I arrived. There's, is there a moment that stands out for you? You know, it's interesting, Shooter, you know, many, many conversations often uh, go something like this. What was your favorite assignment? No, of course. Right? You know, what, yeah, what was your favorite assignment? You know, wh where was the best location? And my answer has always been every single assignment uh, was my favorite. 
because of something. It happened to be the mission that we were involved in, something that was just made you feel very proud that you were part of that. It was the people that you were associated with. Some of my best locations uh, have been, you know, places like Hawaii and Germany and, you know, dream assignments like that. And from a location standpoint, those are great. But then I've lived in amazing places like Idaho and uh, and others where, you know, those are not typically talked about of where you want to go. But my gosh, the people, the mission was just so solid that every single one of them was just fantastic. What I've taken away from every single assignment, when I was a young lieutenant, I, uh, I, I've always listened to others. And there was one senior leader that said, you should go in uh, to each assignment thinking in these terms. I want to graduate from this assignment. You're either the commander, you're an action officer, you're a director, whatever it is. You want to graduate from that assignment with a master's degree in knowledge about whatever you've done. Mm. So sometimes that means that, you know, you have been in the business that we have been trained for. Sometimes that means that you had to be in the business of developing people. Sometimes that was you were the speechwriter. Sometimes you were the master coordinator of all the logistics movements of getting your four-star boss from one location to another. Whatever it was, you want to be the expert by way of you have earned almost a master's degree in knowledge that you build over a career. And so as you advance through your career, you have brought something from every single assignment to make you the most qualified and best prepared leader uh, for the, for the organization that you've been charged to lead. And so that's the philosophy that I've taken. And so there's no necessarily tangible things that I can say, I learned that and that and that, Mm-hmm. But that's the approach that I've taken to every single assignment. I love it. I, and I can concur. I've had some, been lucky enough to have some great uh, assignments in terms of location. Uh, and then I've had some assignments that are probably less than desirable locations, but still ended up being some of my better assignments. Grand Forks, North Dakota, for instance. I didn't think I would like it, but I ended up loving it. So it's always about the people. And for me, personally, I know that's a recurring theme for me. I uh, know it's a recurring theme for you. Uh, again, as I've, I, as I've witnessed you on many occasions, just really take care of the people and care for each and every person in your organization, as you mentioned earlier. Now, lots of travel. Uh, you and I yeah. had this competition one day, and uh, it was me, you, and our chief, uh, Chief Melton, in the car. And we were headed back on some dark road, I think probably back to Virginia. And we started kind of doing a tally of all the states we visited and things like that. I was the last in the car, last place, and I have a feeling I'm still in last place. And my rule, uh, which is probably different than most, I said, I don't care if I just step one foot in the state. I counted it. I didn't have to visit anybody. And so I have this goal to hit all 50 states at some point. Right now, I am sitting at roughly 40 or 41. So I uh, haven't been in the Northeast right now in New England. I get a chance to cheat and just go through all these little smaller states. And it kind of pushed me up a little bit. So I have a question for you. What is your current tally? OK, well, first of all, I'm going to start with this. Have you ever heard of the uh, of the word wanderlust? Wanderlist. I don't think I have. This is somebody that that uh, finds thrill and adventure in traveling. Ah. And I and I I put that title on me. I I love 
Uh, I love seeing the different uh, parts of our nation and parts of the world by way of culture, food, focus, weather, whatever it is. I'm finding more and more that I don't necessarily enjoy the planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> but man, when I when I get to the other end, I just love it. So to answer your question, and I have a little bit of a higher standard than you, <laughs> I, I believe that uh, it, it's more than one foot. I say that you have to either uh, lay your head on a pillow okay, or have a meal or drink. Okay, okay. With so, that, with and, that and, standard, and it, then... It, 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 that's right. And it can't just be in the in the airport. It, you have to be outside the airport. So with that setup, Shooter, my answer is I've been to all 50. Oh, I figured. I figured as much. All 50 states. That is a very honorable thing to be able to do because uh, growing up in a small city like myself, you know, uh, you get into your little bubble. And for some people, all you know is what's inside your bubble. But if you get a chance to burst that bubble and see everything else on the outside of that bubble, it is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful country. It's a beautiful world with a lot of beautiful yeah. people. And the more you get to see and do, it just makes your life that much more rich. So you have done all 50 states. I'm going to ask you that, that obligatory question. Which one would you say, not counting your home state, which one would you say is your favorite? Well, that's a tough question as well, because Shooter, as you know, I'm a military brat. And so mm. I had a little bit of a jump start on uh, on perhaps most that are you know listening in. I've lived in 11 of the 50 states. Oh, wow. And uh, and so it was a deliberate effort uh, two years ago for me to get to South Dakota mm -hmm. and visit Mount Rushmore on my way uh, to Germany. That was that was stamp number 50. So as a military brat. I have spent the majority of my time growing up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, going to college there. My parents are from Columbus, uh, spending a lot of time in Colorado Springs, so Colorado. And then I graduated high school in Washington, D.C., the Northern Virginia area. I would say uh, all of them are, uh, are stellar. And, uh, and I've enjoyed kind of like my assignments, every single one of them. That's a good uh, one. Perhaps when we get to the end and I tell you where I'm going to go next, <laughs> that will kind of dial in uh, what I'm going to consider to be the number one. Okay, I, I like it. So so we talked about states and now I have to go beyond the United States. Uh, obviously, with being stationed overseas right now, more opportunities for travel. I can't tell you right now if you're going to be able to answer this question, sir, but do you have a general wag on how many countries you've visited? I have a specific answer. Oh, I have an, I have, I have an app called Visited that gives you a world map view of, uh, of the world, and you're able to go in and click. You've been there or you, know, you want to travel there. And so I have a very, uh, very deliberate plan of, uh, of seeing the world. So my number is 73 countries. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, 73 countries. That's a lot, right? So for, for one, it's a lot to visit. Two, it's a lot to even remember uh, being in all of those countries. But do you have, you don't have to pick one, but is there something, a country that stands out like, hey, that was my most favorite country to visit? Yeah, so 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 there is a, there's a good answer for that one as well. You know, I, I said I've lived in 11 states. I've also lived in two countries. I spent three years living in uh, the UK, 
And uh, and I've over my over my own military career, I've I've been in Germany for six years, and so ah. that's allowed me to jumpstart. Um, I've been to to most of the big uh, capitals that that you read about, the Londons, the Paris, the Romes, and others, and all of those are uh, amazing cities, uh, amazing locations. But there are there are three locations that stand out uh, just from the last couple of years that I've been able to to, to visit. Some of that may be some recency, but I find that, uh, you know, what what makes the list is often the experiences that you, you get to have and the people that you get to experience it with. And so in those regards, I will tell you the country of Slovenia is uh, is is way up there. Uh, very, very small country. It has this lake called Lake Bled and the capital is Lubanya. And uh, it's a very interesting spelling, but the people, the food, the experience, the way of life is just amazing. So I love Slovenia. Mm. I had the privilege of taking my family um, two Thanksgivings ago to Iceland. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Iceland was uh, off the charts. Uh, unbelievably cool. Um, we were we were very concerned that. Iceland in the middle of November was going to be really cold and it was cold, but it was not so unbearably cold that we didn't get to take full advantage of the beauty and the way of life of the Icelandic people. Uh, there was like every turn, every little road that we were on. And really we went with no agenda. We would just put in what's the next thing that we would need to see. Mm. And it would be a black sands beach. It would be a waterfall. It would be the Yoda cave. It wow. would be uh, just going to the shoreline. And it was almost like a big ice uh, slushy machine with this frozen water that would, that would sweep up and create these diamond beaches of ice. One of the most unbelievable things that I've ever seen. Now, most recently, and my final one is Croatia. I had an opportunity to visit Dubrovnik uh, a couple of weeks ago with my son. And we stayed in Dubrovnik. And for those Game of Thrones fans, <laughs> if, if you know what King's Landing is, that is Dubrovnik, Croatia. Oh, wow. It is a walled city that is on the coast, and it is absolutely stunning. Wow. And, uh, and we loved every moment of it. And so those are my top three right now. Uh, I still have a, a a long list of places that I want to go to get past seventy three, um, <laughs> but uh, I just I, I I love I love the travel I love the different cultures and people that we get to interface with. Oh my! I tell you what, you know my peers. I uh, think that I am a well-traveled man and, uh, you know, Facebook makes everything look so great and it makes it look like I'm never at home and I'm just all over the world. And everyone's just like, oh, I envy you so much. But uh, I think it pales in comparison because at least two of those places you just named, I never heard of before. So I got some work to do. I, I got some more traveling to do. Well, Shooter, I, I love watching your travels and uh, and you and your wife do a remarkable job of getting on those cruise lines to the Caribbean. Absolutely. Uh, we need to get you on like a Viking cruise over to Europe and let you see some of these other ports because there's a big world out there uh, that I know that you would love and appreciate. Uh, my wife and I have decided that we're going to hit the brakes on the Caribbean and we're going to explore other parts of the world. I think we've explored the Caribbean quite enough. You, you've done a lot of travel, sir. And now I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit. And, we're, and we talk about your, your life and your career just in general. 
again, the questions that I'm asking you, they're not easy questions. And I understand that. Um, but if you had to highlight, if you could, your most fun memory throughout your military career and your most difficult challenge, are those things that jump out at you? So the, uh, the, the best experience that I've ever had in my military career is an easy one. Um, I had the opportunity to check into the White House Communications Agency um, late in President Obama's uh, term in office. And, uh, and one of the first missions that they said was, you need to understand the travel mission and you, end up, you need to understand what it's like to fly on Air Force One. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll do that. Nice. Uh, you need to see you know, the way the logistics works, the motorcade works and, and all of that. And so I was selected to, uh, to go on to Air Force One with President Obama. He did a, a stop in, uh, in Indiana. Uh, to do kind of a um, a refocus on on where his administration had been over the course of six and a half years. And so that was fun to see, you know, on the campaign trail six and a half years ago, these were promises that the presidential elect made. And then six and a half, half years later, this is what uh, they had delivered. And it was, it was really exciting to see that happen. Uh, and so that was fun. But part two of that was we continued on to Colorado Springs where President Obama was gonna be the guest speaker for the United States Air Force Academy graduation. And, uh, and so I got the land in Colorado Springs and that's where my parents and my sisters were living. Oh my. And so as Air Force One was taxing uh, Colorado Springs uh, Airport, uh, I got to get off the back of the plane and walk down and uh, and greet my family that were standing there in the receiving line. Oh my now, gosh. Now, I don't know if they were more excited to see me <laughs> walk down the back of the plane or to uh, to shake the hand of President Obama. It didn't matter at that it didn't point matter. for me. I, I love I loved it regardless. So that that was the that was the most uh, unbelievable memory that I've had. Wow. Now uh, when when you asked the question of what were some of the, the darker days uh, and the, the biggest challenges, that one's a little harder to answer. Um, but I I've I've kind of I've kind of put together three that I've, I've, I've just kind of formulated here in my mind. And I think one of them was a, uh, a, a fairly quick, quick turn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that one was as a, as a, as a young Lieutenant stationed in Oklahoma city with the third combat comm group, um, Oklahoma city bombing took place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was a second Lieutenant and, uh, and we were called upon to be first responders, uh, in support of the fire departments and the police departments. And so I can remember, um, being pulled aside as a, as a young officer, put in charge of a team of 10 people. And they said, Lieutenant, you're in charge. And, uh, and this is your corridor for rescue or recovery operations. Mm. And I can just remember the, um, the emotion associated with seeing a, a, a national uh, disaster take place like that. And then the leadership, you know, jump starting right then. Lieutenant, you're in charge, and this is your team of 10 people. Uh, get them ready. Uh, we'll let you know when, when we need you to go in. So that one was, that was, was one that was just very memorable. A, a more of a midterm one was the buildup for uh, President Obama to President Trump's inaugural transition. And so this was over, uh, over many, many months. We knew that there could only be one president at the same time. So synchronizing those two unbelievably busy schedules with 
the most secure um, national security mechanism uh, alive, which is Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C. We had to figure out how to forward deploy uh, different soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines to parts of the White House, to the Capitol, to uh, different locations around town, and make sure that it was all synchronized of how were we going to um, support President Obama up to a certain point once the inauguration was complete, now it's President Trump, and make sure that that was a seamless transition. So that was months and months of coordination and months and months of logistics to kind of work through that. And so that was a pretty daunting task as well. The final one that I would just offer um, is, is one that I, I reflect upon uh, often. And uh, it typically comes up when you're you know, at the end of your career, mm -hmm. when you're standing in front of a retirement room and you're saying thank you to the family that has endured a lot. And so I think back to the post 9-11 days of what that meant to our nation, the way that um, the military was called upon to, uh, to, to deploy immediately, the hours that we were working at that time, the sacrifice that service members were making to deploy all over the world, but the sacrifices that our families um, were left kind of trying to hold and, and piece together. And so that has gone on for the last 20 years plus, and I would argue still uh, goes on today. So that mm. post 9-11 world um, that we are called upon in the military to support is one that is uh, is really tough on the families and at times the service members. And uh, and so those are the three that I would just, you know, kind of quick, medium and long term, uh, you know, hard problems that, you know, we've we've been dealt with. Those are the ones that I would highlight for you. This is uh, this podcast is, is going very well and and it's kind of taking us on the ebbs and flows. It's like a roller coaster ride again over a 29 year career. Uh, there are never uh, times where you just have a whole bunch of great days and there's never times where you have a whole bunch of bad days it's it's a roller coaster and you have to take the good with the bad and earlier in the recording you you talked about the mission the people culture and tradition um and this is a highly debated topic it, it, it's on the patch that i wore be before i came to my new assignment and it's on my signature block because i love it so much but there's this whole thing that's highly debated about people first mission always and in my entire career, I've asked so many people their opinions on it, and I never get the same answer. And I can't let you go, sir, without hearing your perspective. Uh, you've been very successful from a professional standpoint, and somehow you have figured out that secret formula of balancing people and mission. So which one do you think is the most important, or are they the same? Shooter, I'm going to opt out. And when we talk about mission first and people always, the answer is both. Both, both are important. And you said it in the setup. I, I believe it is a balance. There are times over a 29-year career where you recognize that the mission absolutely has to take, has to take place. And, uh, you know, as I told the story about what we have experienced as a nation for the last 22 years, post 9-11 era, deployments, longer hours, uh, all of those things, that's at times been, been the, you know, the mission, uh, mission first. Now the people always are the the enduring thing that we uh, we focus on uh, always, and that's that's where the power of the organization, that's where the power of talent management, that's where all of those things come in. 
but I, I believe it's a balance. And there will be days that are probably the, the weights are a little higher on the mission side. And then there's times where you can where you can get back to normal a little bit, perhaps take a knee, you know, go off to school and uh, and get refocused on on what you're going to do next. And that's where the the you know people always kind of picks up. And so it's finding that balance. And so that's that's kind of an opt out. Uh, but I, I believe both are uh, are vitally important. I don't believe it's an opt-out is, uh, by any means, sir. I, I think you're right. It, it's a balance, and neither can be heavily weighed. That's kind of how I've looked at it as well. Um, some will say, you know, without the people, the mission won't get done, or, you know, that we don't need the people without a mission, so on and so forth. I think, you know, with the transformational leadership, I think when we're getting things accomplished, we have objectives. Those are transformational as well, and there's no true rhyme or reason uh, to have a science to it. I think it's an art and I, I think you explained it well. So this kind of brings us to our, our next chapter, our next journey in this podcast, if you will. Uh, yeah. when you posted your Facebook post, uh, announcing that you were retiring, I, I think it hit a lot of people by surprise in a sense that they know, obviously you cannot wear the uniform forever. None of us can. But at the same time, I think it was kind of like, Oh man, we really hate to see him go, right? Um, that's the whole point of having a book. No books are are sitting with one single chapter. Otherwise, it wouldn't really be a book. It'd be a report or an essay. Um, you're getting to the point where you're getting ready to start a new chapter. And for those that did not know, or maybe don't follow the Facebook posts, uh, you are retiring uh, here in a couple of months. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I offer you an opportunity to kind of talk about, you know, your career. And my, my question to set that off is, do you have any regrets? No regrets. No I, regrets. I, I lived, I lived uh, each day like it was uh, the last day in uniform, and I, uh, I did my best every single day. And so absolutely no regrets. Um, I met some of the most amazing people I would have ever been a part of. I served a mission of something that was bigger than myself. And so there's great pride uh, in what I've done over the course of my 29 year career. So no regrets, Shooter. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and the key word in, in this title of this podcast is leave on leave your mark. Uh, obviously you will be leaving in a sense of wearing the uniform, leaving active duty military service and to coincide with the title of this podcast. Uh, if you could sum it up and you're on an elevator and someone asks you the question, what mark do you hope that you have left on the air force? What would your response be? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I would hope that people would recognize that uh, that I worked hard to uh, to accomplish the mission each and every single day. I would hope that uh, uh, people that I had the privilege of serving with would view that uh, I, I I did my best to take care of them, uh, to to manage their own talents, to understand their dreams and aspirations, and uh, and to get them closer to what. Uh, what was important for them. And so uh, I, I would hope that that would kind of be a mark as well. And then finally, uh, you know, our, our Air Force core values are one that I've, I've lived pretty much my entire 29 years. I think they were published right as I was coming on active duty. And so integrity first, uh, service before self and excellence in all that we do. I hope that uh, people view that I've, I've uh, done my best to embody those. Very nice. 
This is our next question. It's an opportunity for a Simsation Nation reveal. Everyone's wondering. Everyone's been asking. Everyone's curious. The big question everyone wants to know the answer to is what's next for you? Yeah, so Shooter, I don't know how much of a reveal I'm going to be able to give you, but maybe just a, a tantalizing uh, uh, view of what may be coming. Uh, first of all, I will tell you that I'm a proud um, third generation uh, service member. Uh, most notably, my dad served 35 years in uniform. Uh, part of growing up in a military family was I always, um, I always was interested in uh, those people that he was working with and those missions that he was supporting. But the way that the military does it is they say that uh, you can't, can't work for your dad. And, uh, and I always said, my gosh, that's the guy I want to work with. I mean, <laughs> he was the one that was focused on the mission and brought uh, great organizational culture and took care of people. That's the type of person I want to work with. I, I aspired to, you know, kind of follow in my dad's footsteps. And so for the first time here at the end of July, we're going to be 53 years with no Radigan uniform. Oh, wow. And so um, my dad is, uh, is still working, still working full time. And so there may be an opportunity where the Radigan boys, as we've started calling ourselves, may be uh, doing some work together. Because I think that over the course of 53 years, um, through um, pre-9-11, post-9-11, international stage, the cyber business of the way that it has grown and evolved, I think that we have something to contribute. And so I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm excited about the uh, the opportunities to uh, to work with uh, that other Radigan boy. And uh, it's going to be fun. Now, the other semi-reveal that I will give you is that uh, after 29 years um, with uh, my wife, Kim, following me all over the globe and being just a fantastic military spouse and raising two amazing boys and contributing to, uh, you know, my, my success on active duty. Um, we're going back to Kim's hometown of Oklahoma city oh, nice. uh, to settle down. Uh, you know, everybody says that you need to figure out where you want to go, or are you going to follow a location or a job? And I'm going to follow a location. And I believe that we have learned enough through COVID and, uh, and travel and, you know, collaboration in six time zones away that we can make connections happen. And so we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to settle down in Oklahoma city and, uh, and see what's next. I don't know what that is yet. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, I have promised my staff and promised myself that I'm going to run through the finish line. And so here I am at T minus seven weeks and, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to get there and uh, and and then, you know, be very proud of then doing all of my medical VA appointments and figuring things out like that. So by the time this podcast is uh, is perhaps posted, I may have a better idea and you and I will keep in touch and uh, and I may do a reveal later. Uh, but for now, I know where I'm going and uh, and perhaps some of the work that I'm going to pursue. I love it. I love it. And I thank you for revealing what you can here on Simsation Nation. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your family, for one. Uh, I think this is just it's a great opportunity and I'm proud to have served with you. So my last and final interview question for you. After 29 years of service, um, you, you've done a lot. You've seen a lot. Um, and this is a chance for you, um, potentially on, on our last time on a podcast, 
to offer some advice that could get played back over and over again, even five, 10 years from now. Um, what advice do you want to leave the audience, whether that be for uniformed members, general audience members altogether? What final piece of advice based on your 29 year career do you want to leave with the audience? Well, Shooter, that, that's a wonderful question and one that I reflect upon uh, often as well. And as you know, uh, when we were serving together at Air Combat Command, we had an opportunity to talk to squadron commanders all the time. And, uh, and it was a similar message that I, that I gave each of them about some of the enduring advice that, that I would offer. The one is uh, take your job seriously. You know, the Air Force uh, or, you know, whatever company, uh, you know, pro profession, they've asked you to, to take on a, a certain job. Take those obligations seriously. Uh, work hard to advance the mission, take care of people. I believe that's what you're put in charge of. That's why you were hired. Uh, you need to do your job and, uh, and do it to the best of your abilities. So that's number one. Second, I, I would offer that as, uh, as important as it is um, to kind of watch others and learn from others, uh, it's important to be authentic. Everyone does business a little bit differently. Everyone has different dreams and aspirations. Everyone has different focus. Everyone has different styles and personalities. Do what is best for you. And uh, if, you, if you're authentic, um, you, will, you will never be perceived as you know, trying to be somebody that you're not. Um, and so I just believe in authenticity. I think it's, I think it's the right approach on any, on any given day. Third, I would tell you is never stop learning. Um, there, is, uh, there is always something that you do not know. We're not all the smartest people in the room. I was never the smartest per person in any room that I was in but I always worked really hard uh, to close the gaps, to understand the different uh, leadership techniques or tactics or the evolving world of technology, whatever it was, always continue to learn and, uh, and, and never give up on yourself. Finally is, uh, is one of uh, building resiliency. And so this is one where I think you have to surround yourself with uh, family, uh, friends, uh, perhaps some fitness, perhaps most importantly, some faith, uh, and figure out how you're building yourself uh, for the long run. Uh, you know, we have the privilege of serving our nation for a uh, just a short time in uniform, but hopefully that's not the end of our chapters and that we have an opportunity to continue uh, to interface and continue to make this world a better place. And so you have to be prepared for the long run and you do that through resiliency. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think you have to focus on all of those different categories, you know, keep taking care of your family and uh, embracing relationships with uh, with friends, um, maintaining your faith and uh, and making sure that that's going well. Um, fitness, you know, we get older, we get injuries. Uh, so you have to have ability to kind of ebb and flow of where do you get the power to be a resilient person. And so those are the four really enduring advice things that I would offer uh, your audience and the ones that I've offered some of the squadron commanders in the past. Very nice. I appreciate you for your time and, and sharing that information. Uh, before I let you go, I, in each and every single one of my podcast episodes with a quick 10 question round of what do you prefer? It's a speed round of questions that, uh, that I'm going to hit you with. And you just tell me what the first answer to comes, comes to your mind might be. And so uh, I'll go ahead and kick it off. And I want to tell you, uh, this is a this is the first time because I changed these questions up 
per season, but this is the first time, or actually you're the first person to answer this set of questions uh, for the other folks that have answered ones. They may have seen the other episodes and they were able to kind of get ready for these questions. So first time for you, sir. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. When it comes to tea, do you prefer your tea sweet or unsweetened? Sweet. Greatest boxer, Ali or Tyson? Tyson. Favorite movie or best movie choice, Star Wars or Game of Thrones? Uh, Star Wars. Fitness, would you prefer a treadmill or the track? Uh, Prefer the track. You and I have shared, this is question number five, you and I have shared uh, some some great drinks together. Uh, In terms of libations, do you prefer them neat or on the rocks? Neat. When it comes to work, do you prefer telework or in office? In the office. Travel, cruise or an all-inclusive? Oh, uh, I'll, go, I'll go with cruise, although I've done very few of both. Okay. Number eight, villains. Joker or Darth Vader? Darth Vader. Nine, music. I think I know the answer to this one. Do you prefer live music or recorded? Live music. I know you like concerts. Uh, Last but not least, number 10, chicken wings. Do you prefer flats or drums? Drums, for sure. Drums. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, thanks for playing along, sir. I like asking those questions. It kind of gets everybody on a fun note at the end of a a podcast. Um, But before I let you go, I simply want to say thank you very much for your time based on your your job and what you do and your love for the people i know that you are a very busy man and so taking some time for with me uh for 45 minutes 50 minutes or so to just kind of share your life share your story over a very successful 29 year military career Uh, i am appreciative as a person but i am also appreciative that you came on this podcast to kind of share this information that i hope can be very helpful uh for people for generations or years to come and so i simply want to say thank you for your time i'm honored to have worked with you and for you um and uh again uh, i'm going to continue to follow you and as you start your next chapter Shooter, thanks for an amazing opportunity. Thanks for being an amazing uh, friend and uh, and coworker. Uh, I am uh, so thrilled of where you are in your career and uh, and the upward trajectory that you're on. And uh, I look forward to cheering for you from afar. Um, but I'm here for you anytime you want to reach out. So I look forward to talking again, my friend. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in with us. Until next time on Sensation Nation, I'm out. 